Good morning, good Sunday morning, and welcome to Broxton United Methodist Church. I want to thank you for joining us online this morning, wherever you may be. You had a choice of where you could worship this morning, and you decided to be with us. If you were, we're glad that you are here. If this was your first time here, if this is your first time here, I want to extend you a, a especially a, a warm welcome, and, and again, a thank you. And if you were in here in person, I would tell you that you're the most important person here in the congregation. If there are a lot of people out there watching for the first time, we are well, we welcome you and you are the most important people watching with us today. So thank you. Thank all of our members. Thank all of our family and thank all of our friends for taking time to sit down wherever you may be and, and worship our Lord and Savior here with Brock's United Methodist Church this morning. If you were wondering what was going on there in the beginning of the video, I need to give a shout out and a big thanks, a big, big, big thanks to our congregation. What you were looking at there is you were looking at portraits of, 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 our, of our regular attenders of our congregation, if you will. These portraits were made by some of the members of our congregation, and uh, I walked in the sanctuary one day earlier this week, and they had been, they had been affixed to the pews. And not only were they affixed to the pews, they were affixed to the positions where these individuals and these families generally sit each Sunday morning. So as I'm talking to you right now, I'm actually looking out over the congregation, out over the sanctuary, and I can see my brothers, and I can see my sisters, and I can see all these individuals and, and all these families uh, uh, sitting where they generally sit. And it was a beautiful, beautiful gift from the congregation uh, um, that I walked into again. And, and, and I know they're watching this morning, so thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. You have, no, you have no idea how comforting it is to actually look out there and see your faces this morning. In the way of announcements, and I do give church announcements, I have been giving church announcements these last few weeks. If this is your first time joining us, I will tell you, I will tell you like I've told everyone else these last couple of weeks, generally what I will do if we're meeting in person is I'll get up first thing. And that's first order of business. We'll give, uh, we'll give church announcements. We'll let folks know what's going on at Broxton United Methodist. We've still got things going on at Broxton United Methodist. We're not meeting in person, but we've got plenty going on. We've got plenty of ministry. We've got plenty of outreach. It's all online, but it is reaching folks that we have never been able to reach before. And I believe that is a godsend. So I just want to make you aware. I'll give you a brief, brief rundown real quick. We are, we are out there on a couple places on Facebook. Uh, Facebook.com slash Broxton Charge. Facebook.com slash Broxton Charge. That is, our, that is our church Facebook page. If you would like to join our church group, our church Facebook group, that is Broxton UMC Family. Broxton UMC Family. Go into Facebook, do a search for Broxton UMC Family, and, uh, and then pull the page up, and there's a little button that says join the group. Click that button and, uh, and join with us. If you're a friend, if you're family, if you're a member, or uh, if you just want to know more about us, maybe you just maybe you just need to jump in with some with some folks and, and be encouraged, and and that's what it's for. It's for encouragement. It's for it's, it's uh, to provide resources to one another. It is uh, to be a place of, of prayer and praise, and again of encouragement. So please, please feel feel free and please do join that group. Our website is broxtonumc.wordpress.com. And we update that pretty frequently. Again, that's broxtonumc.wordpress.com. And we also have a recently added, within the last month anyway, uh, YouTube page. And if you are watching this morning at 11 o'clock, you are watching this on YouTube. 
Um, so this is, this is where our initial broadcast is, is, is broadcast, uh, is on our YouTube channel. If you're not familiar with it, if you're watching on another platform, go to youtube.com, do a search for Broxton United Methodist Church. It'll pull our channel right up and you can join in. We've got, we've got videos from the last month, uh, last month anyway, along with some extra stuff on there. And we'll, we'll be continuing to use that. So please join us online. Plenty of opportunities, plenty, plenty of opportunities. Ministry is being done, folks. Ministry is being done, and, and we are having to expand. Uh, uh, we're having to expand our knowledge. We're having to expand our, 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 our resources, and we're having to, uh, we're having to be uh, inventive a little bit. We're having to learn from other people, and that is a good thing. It's good. It's good to be challenged. Um, so so, so ministry is being done, folks. Ministry is being done, even though we can't meet in person. And I think it gives us an even bigger longing for ministry. I think it gives us an even bigger longing, larger longing for, for Jesus and for, and for the Holy Spirit and for the, uh, the and for our congregations, a bigger longing for that, for our, for the, uh, for the, for our congregations to be meeting together and, and to be joining as the family that we are. We miss our families and, uh, and that's okay. That's okay because it, it makes us stronger, I believe. If you will, take a few minutes to go with me and pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, we continue to celebrate the resurrection of your Son, Jesus Christ, today. Lord, we recall his appearing to the disciples, and we recall him filling them with the Holy Spirit, just a foretaste of the outpouring that your church would receive on the day of Pentecost. God, we long for that same outpouring today. We long to see an awakening in our local, state, national, and global church, unlike any that any of us have experienced in our lifetimes. Give us eyes to see and give us ears to hear what you may be doing now in this moment as we look forward to Pentecost and as we remember the birth of your church. Give us the fire of those early Christians. Give us uninhibited trust and uninhibited faith and use us for your kingdom and for your glory that the lost would be found and that the saved would be sanctified. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, we pray. Amen. If you have a Bible, uh, they're with you handy, sitting by you, or if you have a, you have a Bible app handy, maybe you're checking us out on a laptop or a, or a handheld device and you have access to an app, turn over or, or, or find, locate 1 Peter. We're going to be taking a look at a few scriptures out of the book of 1 Peter this morning, right here in the, very, in the first chapter, 1 Peter 1. And I'm going to give you a couple minutes to, uh, to locate that. Maybe not quite that long. First Peter chapter one. And we're going to be reading verses three through nine. First chapter, first Peter, verses three through nine. Peter writes, Praise be to the God, pray, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. In all this, you greatly rejoice, 
though not though now for a little while, you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that the proven genuineness, genuineness of your faith, of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him, and you are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy, for you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. And that, of course, is the word of God for the people of God. And if you were in church with us this morning, the congregation would, would say in unison, thanks be to God. First Peter, the book of First Peter. And if you look back in verse 1, which we did not go over, you, what you'll discover are a couple things. This, this, is, this is written to a dispersed church. This is written to a, to a church that has been scattered, that is scattered in various regions. And it's also being written to a church that is, that is undergoing some kind of persecution. We're not exactly sure what kind of persecution that they were enduring. Uh, some, of the, some, some folks argue it was because of this, or, and some folks argue it was because of that. It really doesn't matter. What we need to know for our purposes today is that is that Peter was writing to a church that was that was that was dispersed, that was scattered, and that there was that was undergoing persecution of some sort. But I want to back up just a little bit uh, before I get too deep into that, and I want and I want to talk about Peter this morning. Uh, just 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 to reminisce, just to just just to remember who Peter was, and and some of the stuff that that Peter that Peter went through. We remember that Peter. Um, was pretty bummed out after the crucifixion of Jesus. Peter was pretty bummed out. We talked about that, I believe, last week on Easter Sunday. We talked about Peter denying Jesus. We talked about, maybe it was the week before, regardless, Peter denied Jesus prior to his arrest. And, uh, and we didn't talk about it last week. It was, uh, it was actually, we remember it generally on Monday, Thursday, or Holy Thursday. But Peter had denied Jesus. He had denied knowing Jesus. Jesus knew that Peter was going to deny him. Jesus told Peter that he was going to deny him three times. Peter said, never. Peter said, Lord, I would never deny you. I would never turn away from you. I would die, Jesus, before I ever did that. And of course, we know differently. Peter certainly did deny Christ. He denied him three times. And he's dealing with this. He's dealing with this after the crucifixion of Jesus. He's, he's, he's not handling it well. But shortly, if we'll read in the Gospels, if we'll read this, the, the Gospel story of, of where Peter went, what happened to Peter a little bit later, just a little bit later, a little bit following the crucifixion, and the restoration that Peter experienced, you can locate that in the book of John. That's actually in, in the 21st chapter of the book of John. And we're going to see a new man emerged. You know, Peter, Peter's, Peter's kind of a, in the, some parts of the Gospels, Peter's kind of a, a, uh, I don't, a flaky character almost. <laughs> Peter's got a big mouth, and Peter has a mouth that gets him in trouble. And, uh, and he's, he's kind of being chastised every now, every now and then by Jesus. So, so, so we, we, we see kind of this immaturity in Peter. We see this early immaturity that, that, that Peter, that Peter uh, expresses. And of course, I'll back up, and again, we see him deny Jesus. So you got this really immature believer 
who, 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 however, has been called the rock by Jesus himself. And, 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 and Jesus is crucified. After, after, and after denying Jesus, he is, he is, he is experiencing some, some serious guilt. But anyway, over in John 21, what we see is we begin to see Peter come into his own, if you will. We see what's kind of known sometimes as the restoration of Peter between what which happens with this conversation between Jesus and between Peter after Jesus's resurrection after Jesus's resurrection and and we see we see the forgiveness that takes place and we see we see a new man we see a new man we see a new birth we see a born again if you will Peter who emerges as this wonderful this huge and this very 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 important figure in the history of Christianity, who ultimately suffered martyrdom, who was ultimately crucified. Tradition tells us that he was crucified upside down because he did not believe he was good enough to be killed in the same manner of his, as his Lord and Savior. So Peter blossomed, Peter grew into this major, major figure uh, in the history of Christianity. Of course, we all remember Peter's, Peter's sermon on the day of Pentecost when 3,000 people were brought to a relationship with Jesus Christ. So again, backing up to our scripture, we find him writing to a discouraged church. We find him writing to a church that is, that is, that is suffering some persecution and that has been scattered. If you have a new international version, that's the word that, uh, that it uses in verse one of chapter one. It, it, it says to the church that has been scattered. And, and so he's writing again to these folks who are, who are, not, who are not doing very well. And to tell you the truth, they're not doing very well, they're not feeling very well. But what you may notice right off the bat in today's scripture, starting right there in verse 3, is you're going to notice that Peter breaks into this very long and this very detailed uh, uh, offering, this praise to God that lasts several verses. It is, it is a long, it's, it's, it's what we would call a doxology. It is this big praise that he offers to, to, to his Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, to God, because this is who Peter is. This is, remember, what I talked about a minute ago. Peter had gone from, from a place of immaturity, from a place of doubt, and from a place of actually rejecting Jesus, denying him to, to people, to a place where he had been born again, where he experienced new life. And as a matter of fact, he talks about, he says those words exactly, that new life. He mentions in these very verses. So yeah, Peter has reason to praise God. Peter does praise God. And that's why these first few verses are, are, are just an exciting explosion of praise and worship out of, the, out of the handwriting of Peter. And we begin to see one of our primary themes that we're going to talk about today emerge right there in verse 3. And that is the theme of hope. That's the idea of hope. And that is a major theme if you were to read the entire chapter of, of 1 Peter entire first chapter of 1 Peter, what you would learn is you would find out that hope is not just a primary theme here in this verse or in these verses, but throughout the whole chapter. Hope, hope, hope. And what does Peter call it? What kind of hope does Peter say this is? He says it is a living hope. Those are the words that are used. We have a living hope. And of course, as Christians, we know that that living hope is Jesus Christ. We know that, that living hope is the resurrected Son of God, the very real, the very literal, 
Son of God, the very real Jesus, not some imaginary figure in the sky, not some made-up God, not some impersonal God that we don't, we don't really know. These guys knew him. These guys saw him. These guys witnessed to him, and these guys wrote about him. A real Savior, a real Lord, a real risen God to whom we can have a very real and they did have a very real, and we have a very real and personal relationship with this Lord and with this Savior. That's the living hope. That is the resurrected Jesus who is the living hope of the world, not some far-off God that we can't really have a relationship with, not some far-off impersonal being, the real Jesus. And that's what he means with hope, because we know the reality of who Jesus was. We know the reality of who Jesus is. We know the reality of God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So hope in Jesus. Hope in Jesus and hope in salvation. Those for Christians. That's what Peter is showing these folks in these early verses. These folks who were, who were undergoing some kind of persecution. Here's your hope. Your hope is in your salvation. Your hope is in this risen, this very real Jesus Christ. That same hope. That same real Jesus is just as, as pertinent to us today as it was these early Christians 2,000 years ago. Just as pertinent and just as real as it was, as he was, as he is 2,000 years ago. Secondary theme that I want to point out in these scriptures is the theme of suffering. The theme of suffering. And these are things that we've kind of recently, fairly recently, talked about here at Brock United Methodist. We've, we've had several sermons and and, and scriptural studies on, on these themes, these themes of hope and this theme of, of suffering. We talked about suffering for the cause of the gospel, which, which, are, which are some of the words that Paul wrote in uh, some of his epistles. Suffering is a major theme. It's also a major theme in some of these, in the scriptures that we're taking a look at today. So hope and suffering. The last several weeks, really, we've talked about the theme of hope. When the whole, when, 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 when churches first began uh, not being able to meet in person, that was pretty much the theme of, of, of a good majority of preachers, I believe. Uh, to the best of my recollection, it was certainly a theme of mine this first week, first week or two, was hope. That we're not a people of fear, but we are a people of hope. And why we have this hope? We talked about it all the way back then. We have this hope because of Jesus Christ. So hope and suffering. Hope and suffering. Those are two themes that you see here in these few verses, verses 3 through, three, verses three through 9. Christians under persecution. We see here in verse 6. I want to reread those things just a little bit. What Peter says in these two verses, verses 6 and 7 in particular. Because I want to talk to you a little bit more, and a little bit more into detail about, about suffering and, and hope and, and where, our, where our hope comes from and how this applies. How does this apply? That's what everybody wants to know, ultimately. How do I apply this to my life? How do I... How do I apply this to whatever's going on in my life, in our, in our culture, uh, et cetera, et cetera? How do I make this real? How do, I, how, does, how do these words translate into where we are right now? So let me read you verses 6 and 7 once more. In all this, you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. There's your suffering. There's their persecution. These have come, these persecutions, 
these trials, these sufferings, these have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith, which is of greater worth than gold, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Suffering, hope, and he even gives us a reason for it. He even gives us a reason so that the proven genuineness of your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Hope, living hope, real hope, comes from Jesus for Christians. We've talked about it, and we've talked about that hope that we have in the midst of suffering. That hope that we have in the midst of suffering. Now, these Christians that we're reading about right now, they were going through a different kind of suffering. They were going through a different kind of problem than we are going through right now. But I think, I think we can certainly apply this to what we are going through in our own culture, in our own context, if you will. So how are we suffering? Uh, considering, considering what we're going through, considering what we're going through in our nation, in our state, in, in our local, in our global, really, context, how exactly are we suffering? And these are questions only you can answer. Everybody's going to have different responses to this, but I want you to think about ways that you are suffering, the ways that you are being troubled given our current situation. Are you being troubled? Are you suffering physically? Is this causing some kind of physical suffering for you? Are you suffering mentally? Is this causing some kind of emotional uh, anguish for you? Are you suffering financially? Is this causing a financial strain? What we're going through. All of these, all of us have different responses to these. There is no, there is no one answer or two answers. All of these are going to be different. But I want you to think about them because, first of all, I want us to make sure that we're really suffering. First of all, I want us to make sure that we are truly and really suffering. Some of it is. Some of the suffering that we talk about, some of the anguish, some of the problems that we talk about in, in, in our lives right now is very, very, very real. Very, very, very legitimate. Some of it is very, very, very selfish. Some of it is very, very, very self-centered in the ways that we believe or that we perceive that we may be suffering. And I would hope as Christians we can, if we were honest with ourselves, that we could that we could answer those questions truly. If not, if you can't determine, if we're if we are unable to determine if our, if our ideas, if what we think is suffering, is real suffering, legitimate suffering, we need to take those things to God. We need to take those things to God and we need to allow the Holy Spirit to work and to show us and to reveal to us whether or not we're truly suffering in some areas or whether or not we are being selfish in our sufferings. What do you mean by selfish, Brother, brother Jerry? I'm going to give you an example, and it's not going to make me a whole lot of friends. But a great example is that it never ceases to amaze me how willing so many of us are 
how willing so many of us are to follow God, how willing so many of us are to, 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 to claim that we respect life, to claim that we are followers of Jesus, to claim that we love our neighbors, all the way up until the point where it affects our pocketbooks, or all the way to the point where it affects our lifestyles or our comfort. So that's why I ask, are we truly suffering in some of these areas that we believe we're suffering? Or are we, a lot of times, just being self-centered and selfish and call it what it is, sinful? Some of our concerns are legitimate. Some of the ways we suffer, certainly, certainly the physical issues are very legitimate. My heart cries out to, to people who are suffering physically because of this illness that is, that, that is spreading and spreading and spreading. Certainly, that is a very legitimate area of suffering. Absolutely. And other concerns are as well. But we need to determine those. We need to allow God sometimes to let us know if our, if our ideas of suffering are real or if they're imagined or if they are legitimate or illegitimate. Here's something we can start. Here's, here's a one way. Here's a good way we can start asking some of these questions. Where are our hearts and our minds spending the majority of their time? Right now, in our current context, where are our hearts and our minds spending the majority of their time? What do you mean by that? Well, here's what I mean. In other words, are we concentrating more? Are we concentrating more on how I'm suffering during this time? Whether it's imagined, real, legitimate, selfish. Are my heart and my mind more on these things or are they more on the hope that we have in Jesus? Where is my heart, where are my heart and my mind spending the majority of these of their time right now am i thinking more about how i'm suffering whether that suffering is real or imagined legitimate or illegitimate am i thinking more about those things as a christian as a christian this is not for non-christians as a christian am i thinking more about how i'm being affected how i'm suffering whether that's real or not or am I thinking more? Is my heart and my mind more geared towards the hope that I have in Jesus Christ? And that's the main point that I'm getting at, folks. Where's my mind? Where's my heart? Where am I concentrating my efforts, my heart the most? On Jesus, on hope, or on the idea of, of suffering, whether it's real or not? Are my heart, here's another one for you. Are my heart and my mind more focused on worldly things or are they focused on what God? Here we go. Are my heart and my mind more focused on worldly things than on what God is potentially doing in his church, on this world, in this moment? Am I worried more about me or am I worried more about Jesus? Am I worried more about me or am I worried more about God's kingdom? Am I worried more about me or am I more worried about the work that the Holy Spirit might possibly 
might possibly be doing during this moment. What am I thinking more on? Where is my hope? Where are my thoughts? Where is my heart? Is it on suffering or is it on the hope that I have in Christ? Is it on my selfishness or is it on what God is doing in this moment? I'm going to set myself up for some ridicule here, folks, but that's all right. That's all right. I, I, I'm okay with setting up myself for a little ridicule because that's what we do. That's, that's the risk that preachers take. Preachers should be setting, them up for, for, setting themselves up for ridicule every now and then. That's part of the job description. But personally, I think believe, I believe that God is in the process of doing something big right now. I don't think that God is the cause of sickness. Let me be perfectly clear about that. I don't think God is the cause of sickness. I don't believe that God is the cause of sin. I don't believe that God is the cause of death. But I believe that he'll work through anything for the good and for his glory. All day long. He will work through anything for good and for his glory. And I think God is doing something big right now. I think God is doing some incredible work during this time. And I believe that the Holy Spirit is moving like nothing that most of us have ever seen before. I believe, folks, that we are in the absolute midst of a true, a real 21st century revival of God's church. A true revival unlike one that any of us have seen when anybody alive tonight, today, has seen in their lifetimes. But I'm not the only one. And I can be ridiculed for that if, 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 that's, if that's how you feel, that's fine. But I don't think I'm blind and I don't think I'm making this up because other people are seeing it too. Other people are seeing the way that God is working through us in this time. We are seeing the works of some incredible ministry like I saw at the beginning. Think about this. Think about this for just a second. Think back to last Sunday. Think back to Easter Sunday. Do you realize, do we realize that more than likely, more than likely, more people across the globe heard the gospel message of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, more people heard that last Sunday than in any single one day in the history of Christianity. More than likely, more people last Sunday heard the gospel message of the resurrection of Jesus Christ more than any other time in the history of the world because of the ministry that's going on, because of the ministry that's going on, because of the churches that are being challenged, the, the ministers, the lay people who are being challenged to get out of their comfort zones and to do ministry differently. More people heard the gospel last week than ever on any one single day. Yeah, God is doing some wonderful, wonderful things. And I don't know what else you call that besides a revival. I don't know what else you call that besides an awakening. There's a yearning. I hear it in my own congregation. There's a yearning in people's hearts to want to be together, to want to, to want to be together as family, to want to be together as a local body of Christ. You hear that. You see people praying more. And this is just, I can only testify to what I see locally. But you see people praying more. You see people talking more about God. 
and you see this thing starting, you see this snowball and it's building and it's building and it's building and that's God all day long. No, I don't believe God calls us sickness. I don't think he calls us death, but I think he works through anything. And I think this is our time. I think this is our time, church, to respond and to respond faithfully and faithful. I called it this morning in our prayer, uninhibited faithfulness, uninhibited faith, uninhibited obedience, because that's what God is doing, I believe. And I'm not the only one. I'm not the only one. I read another article this week, and, I, and I'm going to read you a portion of that in just a second. But here's some words that I wrote this week, too, because I got to thinking about this whole idea of wanting to go back to normal. Folks, I don't really want to go back to normal. I don't really want to go back to normal. And, and I'm going to elaborate on that right here in these words that I'm about to read. You see, some people, some just want to go back to normal. As a Christian, this is me, as a Christian writing, witnessing some pretty incredible manifestations of God during this time, I don't want to go back to normal. I don't want to go back to church as usual. I don't want to go back to the same old routines within our same little comfort zones. Not when God is so clearly exposing his kingdom as we are unable to meet together in person. Just on a local level, we're seeing people longing more for God. People are praying more. The unsaved are being saved and the saved are being drawn into deeper and more meaningful relationships with other people and God. We are hurting. We are hurting for that in-person Christian community, that togetherness that if truth be told, we took for granted for so, so many years. I want to see this awesome thing that God is doing continue to explode continue to grow, and continue to disperse throughout the world. I want Christians to get caught up in an undeniable move of the Holy Spirit where people are being born again, transformed, and sanctified. In a similar vein, a pastor by the name of Carolyn Moore uh, up in Evans, Georgia, wrote these words in an article this week. She wrote, Some of us are waiting for that old normal to roll around again so we can get back to a more comfortable religion. But what a shame it would be if all we get out of this crisis is a hunger for sitting in a church building once a week. What a shame that would be. Folks, Jesus is doing a new thing, Reverend Moore writes. He is moving in power all over the world right now, and he is revealing himself to non-believers and creating miracles in spiritually dry places. It is time to join him. It is time to toss the things that you keep wanting to come back that don't need to come back, both in your spiritual life and in the rest of your life. Toss those things out. Let the things that have no life for you die so that you can begin to live like Jesus is Lord. I'm going to repeat that one more time. Let the things that have no life for you die so that you can begin living like Jesus is Lord. Folks, I don't feel like I'm suffering in this time, and I know people are. And, and it's not because I'm not concerned. Of course I've got concerns. Of course I've got financial concerns. Of course I've got emotional concerns, family concerns. But I don't feel like I'm suffering, folks, because of the hope that we have in Jesus, because of the work that I have no doubt that God is doing. Are our eyes, are our ears, and are our hearts open to God during this time? Or are we more concerned about ourselves 
Are our eyes and our ears and our hearts open to God? Or are we more concerned? Are we more worried about temporal, temporary, worldly things? What's on our mind more? What's on our hearts more? Pray with me if you will. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you, God, uh, just for the gift of the Sabbath. We thank you, Lord, for the gift that it is to worship together, wherever we might be this morning. Jesus, we recognize the work that, that's going on right now for your kingdom, God. And I just ask you personally to open up my own heart, open up the hearts of your, of your church, open up the hearts of all believers. May we be receptive to the work that you're doing. May we respond in uninhibited faith uninhibited obedience for your glory and for your kingdom. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen. And as I tell you each week, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you always. Have a wonderful week.